0: The Clueless Joe podcast is recorded at D-Bat Nashville and brought to you by Rawlings, the nation's leading baseball and softball training academy franchise and the world's top baseball and softball brand have teamed up to create an exciting new partnership. D-Bat, powered by Rawlings, the official ball, glove, and helmet of Major League Baseball. To learn more, go to Rawlings.com or visit your local D-Bat. Say hey, baseball fans. Welcome to the Clueless Joe podcast powered by Rawlings episode three. Coming to you from D-Bat Nashville, the premier baseball and softball batting cage and training academy in Middle Tennessee. Developing beliefs, attitudes, and traditions, music city style. You can follow us on social media across all platforms at D-Bat Nashville. I'm your host, John Christ. I'm here with my team. Former Memphis Tiger, Zach Schreitenthal. Turn me up, let's go. Oh, wow. (laughs) Sorry, I'm ready. And former Georgetown Tiger, Ryan Gaynor. Let's do it. Coming up later in the show, we'll be joined by Trey McNichol. He's an area scout for the Atlanta Braves. But we're going to begin with free agency in Major League Baseball, specifically at the shortstop position. Trey Turner, Carlos Correa, Dansby Swanson, and Xander Bogarts. They're all All all-stars at the game's one of the game's premier positions, obviously. They're all in their absolute prime athletically, as young as 28, no older than 30. Depending on what numbers are most important to you, they're all plus players, both offensively and defensively, and they're all free agents right now. So, fellas, if you were a GM, your favorite team, or any team for that matter, you need a shortstop, you got money to burn, who are you targeting?
1: Any of them. I love If I'm this. an Angels GM. Yes. Anyways, I I
2: love this.
0: We always have to start with your sad sack. Always, always. Yeah, always.
2: I love this topic as a as an infielder. These are some of my favorite guys here. And uh, I'm more excited to see where these guys end up than Aaron Judge, to be honest. Wow. I think these guys are absolute game. changers. Really? Except that's surprising. Maybe one of them. But we'll get good, to that. Okay. Um, That's but what no, I, thought, I, I, think, I
0: think there's three game changers and one meh. But yeah, me, I'm, I'm anxious to hear if yours is the same as mine.
2: Say that again? I said, there's I one think meh. one of
0: these guys is meh and three of them are Dansby? game changers. I'm curious. Who you think? Dansby? You're anti-Dansby?
2: Anti-Dansby. Come on, guys, think, Let's, just, here just, here
0: let's just disclose
1: here the information go. now.
2: I
0: mean, I'll start it off right now. Uh, I think he's
2: had – shoot, sorry. You're okay. Uh, I, he's had one, one good season, I think – I think he played a, a pretty good role in the World Series season, obviously, but I, he's, I don't think he's close to – John, to, correct me if Turner I'm wrong. Bogart, Is two
1: seventy seven batting average a bad season in the MLB?
0: It's not a bad season in the MLB. No, I mean league average was what two forty two this year or yeah. something like that. Look, yeah, it's a solid 20, year.
1: Twenty five bombs for a shortstop. Pretty solid. Plus defensively. Sure. I don't know. I mean, I'm I'm just asking. I didn't think two seventy seven was he's terrible a, he's for a, that a phenomenal player. Phenomenal okay. Phenomenal
2: player. But obviously on this list he is he is at the bottom. Okay. He is at the bottom of this list. I think uh, he's I gonna he's happen- gonna he's gonna be great for a while. Again, I just. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I think, offensively, I think he's lacked in in prior years, and now he's obviously had a really good season this year, well deserving of of anything that's coming coming his way. But again, can, can he can he keep repeating that? We'll see, see I, that's I, I don't that's know. that's my question. Yeah,
0: I think he's a heck of a player. I think he's a perfect fit in that organization. He just feels like an Atlanta brave, the way he plays, the haircut, everything. He's a vanny boy. We got to be sensitive here. They yeah. play collegially here at Nashville. What a player. But he smells to me like a guy coming into free agency for the first time who just had a career year and he'll never be that good again. That is that is just what I see. That is my take. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I'm not saying he won't be worth his next contract. But I don't see those numbers and that kind of impact for the next four, six, eight years. Whatever it's going to cost to get him,
2: I also don't see him going to the Braves, and that, that's just me. I don't. Uh,
0: that would surprise me. That I would don't surprise see, you if, yeah, he, if I, he
2: doesn't go to the Braves. Or resigns?
0: I think resigning just makes sense. He just he just feels. Like in what a in what respect,
1: player. the Braves are going to go after
2: him, or he wants to be a Brave? I mean, I think the I think the Braves will go after him. I just don't know. You don't if, think
1: he wants to be a Brave anymore? Like a World Series caliber team. If he can Oops. go to the Dodgers, I mean I, I think at that we opportunity talk about all about the Dodgers. Oh my gosh. I mean, and you're not wrong.
2: It's I think so, it gets pre- so frustrating. I mean, Trey Turner's the number one shortstop, in my opinion. Absolutely. And no I don't question. think yeah, you're not gonna get any disagreement it, I, I didn't that. I didn't expect any, but I think if I'm the Braves, I'm gonna go after Trey Turner. Drop Dansby and Dan, Dansby has done a lot for the Braves. I will say that. I think Trey I, I Turner think, fits the mold for Atlanta, too, to I, I, be honest. Yeah, I think he's an East Coast guy, isn't he?
0: Uh, yes, he is.
2: Personally, I'd love to see him in pinstripes. Late bloomer. But but of course you'd like to I see him in pinstripes. I would love to see him in pinstripes. Don't think it's
1: going to happen. What if, uh, this what
0: if this Kansas is what, City what I blue. don't understand. What I don't understand is why are the Dodgers so comfortable, apparently, just letting Trey Turner go? He is a fantastic shortstop. Oh, by the way, he can play second. Oh, by the way, he can play center field earlier in his career. He's a top of the order guy. Yeah. He's got speed to burn. Yeah. He there's nothing he doesn't do well. They have more money than they know what to do with, but they seem perfectly fine just to let him walk. Are they just gonna they think they're gonna insert Gavin Lux at shortstop? And not yeah, miss a for, beat? Forgive me it for not knowing It doesn't make any sense to me.
2: Forgive me for not knowing this, but who was the shortstop when they won the World Series?
0: Trey Turner. Really? Wasn't
1: he? When the Dodgers, let me look it up. When the Dodgers won the World Series, you guys talk amongst yourselves. Yeah, I feel like we should have
2: known that, but um, that, that's why we're clueless, Joe's. But, uh, <laughs> but no, I I think with even with the Dansby, they they're they're high caliber.
1: Oh shoot, Corey Seager, guys, that was oh, bad. Yeah, that's, that's, that was oh, bad. Sorry, yeah, tough was look. Sorry, sorry. sorry yeah. to the listeners. He came
0: over and played second <laughs> after the trade. Okay, yeah, so I remember.
1: Yeah, Chris Taylor was playing second.
2: Yeah, and yeah, okay. So I I think, I think they're they're just fine without Trey Turner. Obviously, he adds tremendous, tremendous. Well, maybe it's uh,
1: something that's happening clubhouse wise that the Dodgers don't love Trey Turner. I don't know. Bad. bad It's not. But the question has to be asked: Why aren't the Dodgers willing to pay him a ton of money? Like John's asking. Maybe they're, wa- they're wanting to get Aaron
2: Judge?
0: Yeah. I mean, they're, they're, they're spending just that clearing money on out, Judge, I guess. They're just clearing out as but, much cap
1: space as possible. Because yeah. Justin Turner is also gone, correct? They
2: probably won't
0: bring, him, bring back him back. They could bring him back relatively yeah. economically if yeah. necessary. Yeah. I, th- and I think
2: Dansby's a, a lot better economically and finan- financially guy, financial guy, to, to, so, to sign over Trey Turner, too.
1: So could you see Dansby going to the Dodgers and also Judge going to the Dodgers? No? No. I don't. So you're thinking they just rid of the shortstop position so they can pick up Judge and throw, like you said, a Gavin Lux? A Chris, I say a Chris Gavin, Taylor? I wouldn't say into Gavin Into the shortstop Lutz, position? Chris
0: Taylor is not an everyday shortstop. We all know that. No. He's a UTL guy, though. Yeah, I think the, the he jack of all trades work. nature of him is what makes him a quality yeah. part of your ball. He's, a, he's an outfielder,
2: though. I mean, he should be a left fielder. Maybe they send Turner to the Yankees and oh they get Isaiah kind of full. Of full, of full of Didn't
1: they just sign? They just signed Kiner Falefa oh, to another they? year. I think so. Yeah. No. yeah, they just did. Way to keep up on your Yankees news, why Zach. I don't know why. All right. Such a Yankees So fan. of
0: the four, you're not a Swanson guy, which is fine. Not a Swanson guy. All right. Here's the here's the one that everyone's in love with that I don't understand. So fourth on this list for me is Carlos Correa. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's a bad player. I think he is an excellent, excellent player. He's a vacuum at shortstop. He's got pop. He's He's been on World Series winning teams before. But let's not forget, he was a free agent last year. Everyone thought he was going to cash in monster contract last year, and that didn't happen. His last year in Houston, he had 279, 26, and 92, and played an excellent shortstop. And there was not a team that gave him some gargantuan contract. He signed a one-year deal with opt-outs with Minnesota. Okay, okay. He goes to Minnesota. They go nowhere this year. Their team was worse. I'm not saying it was Correa's fault, but in, they were yeah, a quality club in 21. They were bad in 22. They were a bad team in a bad division. Okay, he hit 291 with 22 and 64. Why is he all of a sudden more attractive this year than he was last
1: year? I mean, he dealt with injuries last year.
0: All the more reason. Well, that yeah. Why, why would I give him seven years and $300 I put him, I,
1: I have him at four on the list, too, as mm-hmm. far as these shortstops go. Yeah, I mean, he's... I don't. I just don't think he's that good, and he's. I think I think he's really pride. good,
0: but a year ago he was a year younger, apt to cash in, and was basically forced to sign the one year prove it deal with Minnesota because no one else wanted to pony up. Yeah. yeah, we talked about what this. has changed.
2: We talked about this last week about big deals and and all that, and I'm not going to sit up here and say he deserves a, a, a big contract, but this dude puts up numbers year in and year out. Correa does, uh, doesn't he? Not well. I mean, good. I, I think. I think they're, he's, they're, good numbers. They are. Yeah, they're respectable are they numbers.
0: No, he's never hit more than twenty six homers. He's never driven in more than 92. Oh, sorry, ninety two. Never over three hundred. Ninety six one year. Ninety six one year. Wow. Two seventy nine career hitter. Which good. That's I think. Very, I, think I think he's. I think
1: he's the Again. best defensively out of the four. It's very good. Very good. I, it, they're all close, all four, but all they're, they're four all very, very, very good. Very, Correa very is probably close. number one. I don't know. I. I there's something about him, and it might be because he's from Houston. And to Dan be honest, actually had the taint. highest
2: fielding percentage last year, by the way.
0: By the way, we're 10 plus minutes into the conversation. No one has even mentioned Xander then, oh, oh, I I know. Well, well, yeah, we'll Which get into Which is one of the reasons why he might be the guy I would want the most. Because Really? Oldest? Because yes, oh, yeah. I think I can get him for three or four years at solid money as opposed to needing to commit... Eight years and an insane number to someone like Trey Turner. Not that Trey Turner doesn't deserve it. Not that I don't think he isn't exceptional. I love the guy.
2: Are you going to commit eight years to Dansby Swanson?
0: I wouldn't. But would I sign Xander Bogarts for three, four years? I have Bogarts at number two on my list. He is a great shortstop. He is a professional hitter. He's been in winning clubhouses before. I think he's the oldest of the bunch. He's still only 30. Yeah, yeah. He's a tremendous player, and, and we haven't talked about him at all, and he's not a name that's brought up very much either, which I find strange. Yeah. Well, we're, we're just going
2: through the list, and uh, I definitely don't want to leave him out, obviously. But I mean,
1: for sure, I'm, best. I'm a, no, I shouldn't say best, but consistent hitter for sure. I mean, 292 career, but, I mean, the past five years, five, six years, he's always teetering around 300 with – Correct me if I'm wrong. Better power numbers than Trey Turner? Hmm. Not really. But we did look. We did look. I think this was a couple days ago that he Bogarts has to play shortstop. He is not a guy like a Trey Turner or Dansby that I think you could sprinkle him in at like a third base or a second base because. he no, just listen, he had two he had two years in Boston that they played him at third and his fielding percentage Bad. plummeted. Yeah. I don't know. I pretty guess endeavors. I guess when I look at a shortstop, I almost see him as a utility player in the sense of you can mix him around the infield and he'd be pretty good Who's doing this? it.
0: Just any shortstop. Bogarts? When I look
1: at a shortstop, Bogart's when he played third for a couple of years in Boston, his fielding percentage plummeted
0: yeah but I don't think anyone's signing him to play I though. don't no, think so either but, but he's I'm also just saying he's also hit 320 before Correa has never hit 320 yeah. he's hit 33 home runs he's driven in 117 he's had some incredible offensive yes. seasons he's a professional shortstop who's come from a winning culture I know the Red Sox weren't great last year but I would sign that guy in a heartbeat and as, as much as I yeah. love Tim Anderson and my boy loves Tim Anderson yeah. more than anyone alive <laughs> I would sign Xander Bogarts to play shortstop and kick T.A. over to second see, base. See,
2: sure. I was thinking that about Correa. Heartbeat. I, I could see Correa going to, to one of the Chicago teams. and I know the well, Cubs were on yeah, him. The Cubs, yeah. the Cubs were either. on him last year, and yeah. they
0: would probably be on him again this year. The yeah. Any
2: of the four of the Cubs. I, I would really like take. to see Bogarts to the Phillies, too, by the way. I know uh, Bogarts the stock Yeah, at, at short uh, held it down pretty well for him, but...
0: I don't know how much upside he has. He's a solid player.
1: They don't seem to really care too much about him. I mean, he was a stud at UNLV. Right. One of my buddies played with him, and he was just absurdly good there. And I think he contributed I think, contrib- good I think he contributed a decent amount to this World Series run. Sure. I mean. Considering
0: the stakes and his role yeah. in it. And sure. he's yeah.
1: so young, and he proved that he could handle pressure as far as playoff goes. I don't know why Philly is so high on the list for all these shortstops.
2: They were able. They were could, able to make he, it Could with, he moved a second? You think? Yeah, I think he
1: could.
0: Yeah,
2: but I think for a guy like Xander Bogarts, I think you you do what you need to do. Well, I but know.
0: Are, but are we talking the same teams like we always talk about? Is this going to be the Dodgers, the Yankees, the Mets? They're always the in the questions. I mean, is always. there any reason to believe that? Seattle's going to sign one of these guys.
2: I don't know why. I have a feeling the Twins will resign.
0: I Korea. think Seattle's
1: ready to fork over some money for some players. JP Crawford's no scrub. Is there any
0: reason to believe that one of these guys could end up in Cincinnati? Ooh, no, just not going to happen. Yeah, not no, going to happen. Not
2: now. Not going to happen. But J don't count JP Crawford out. Okay, I'm not
1: going gonna...
0: to. No, I'm not, I'm not. I'm not
1: talking shortstop specific, but oh, I do oh, okay. think I do think that Seattle is ready to fork over some money. I, I, I think they should. They are Absolutely. a pretty good team yeah. at a low budget. They got close. At a low budget
2: salary cap. So yep. All right. um, but so I, I do believe that it's a primary primarily for sure. Braves, Phillies. So do Dodgers. you care
1: do you care more about defensive or offensive when you're looking at the rankings of these shortstops?
2: Both. Honestly. We, uh, do, I, I also look at pick a God. I mean, come on. I okay. <laughs> Initially I look at uh hitting. Okay. Fielding plays a big factor as well. But I also look at to me a shortstop steals a steals bags. And I know Trey Turner does that. I also know Dansby does that. Um, which is another thing that kind of boosted me up a little bit more on on Dansby just from his last season. I think he had eighteen, which is pretty respectable. Yeah. Um, but no, it's probably leans more offensively. Obviously you need a guy that can that can field his position, but ultimately you need a guy that can kick start innings or drive guys in. Okay. So you're saying hitting more than fielding. Yeah, which yeah. is which is one thing that I am that kind of softened me up a little bit with Dansby is because he this not past obviously year obviously not as, enough. As, I mean. as but as we talked about this past year, he did a really good job of keeping innings alive, getting things started and yeah. he, he, he played that role very well.
0: Well, I think that's the great thing about today's game is you you don't necessarily need to make a choice between offense and defense. This isn't, you know, the eighties or even the nineties when teams like the Braves would have Andres Thomas playing shortstop because he could pick it, but his he finishes the season hitting 230 with three homers and 30 RBIs. Yeah. That player doesn't really exist anymore. It's been a while now where these shortstop are expected to hit 20-plus home runs and to threaten 300 and to be run-producing guys. It's not just some guy who makes the routine plays. Yeah, uh, you know Ozzie Smith, Hall of Famer, we'd love him, but he wouldn't be hitting at the top of the order in today's game. Yeah. So th- that shortstop who you just plant in the eight hole you don't have to worry about that anymore. Yeah. These guys are so multi-talented and multi-dimensional in what they can do. Yeah. That's why I love
2: Trey Turner. Oh, I love him. So let me hit speed, you with this scenario. Everything. So
1: oh man, I know it sounds likely, but Judge, let's say, doesn't go to the Giants. Do you think they pay, they pay big money for one of these shortstops? The Giants? The Giants. Even though Crawford's there? He's because beloved, because he's, he's, he they, he's on. I mean, if you look it up, the Giants are teetering around the four or five mark for these landing spots for these shortstops. So I could, I could see Trey Turner just going to a division, little division rival over to Sam Fran. Do you think? I don't know. That's I an interesting know. point. I don't. I've don't know. never. I haven't. I'm just I haven't saying, considered that because I didn't think. I mean, like you said, Crawford is a beloved there. So I don't. I didn't see this being a cape or a possibility.
2: But that's my. From thing. what it seems, if I'm the Dodgers and I'm. I'm not re-signing Trey Turner, and we're going after Judge. I'd probably go look for a guy like Dansby. Yeah, I think you can get him at a decent price, and still build build what you need yeah. around him.
1: What about the Cardinals? Got some cap space cleared up. Could use a shortstop. I don't know.
2: That is a good right. A good.
1: Point. All right, no. it's
0: decision time. Decision time. Decision time. Who do you want? You have to pick one of the four, and you have to consider the contract as well. Don't just tell me you okay. want the best guy. Tell me what guy you want on what team at what price. Make a choice. Non-bias? Non-bias, bias, whatever you want to do. We Perfect. know this is going to be an Angels thing Perfect.
1: for you. Perfect. Who's first? you want me to go first? I'll go first. I'll go, go first. It. I'll, yeah, I'll go go first. Okay. It's fine.
0: I mean, I would take Xander Bogarts in a heartbeat, get Jerry Reinsdorf, To open the wallet, I know he doesn't do it that often, especially for position players. If I can get Xander Bogarts for ballpark, four years and $100 million, take him from age 30 to 34, kick Tim Anderson over to second base and fill that glaring hole, I really like that. I really like that. It's It's kind of low. Luis Robert up the middle. Seems low. Okay. Four years, 120. Okay. Okay. Four years, 120. Better. But I'm not making a six, eight, nine-year commitment.
1: If you're going with Bogarts, absolutely not. Yeah.
0: I mean, as much as I love Trey Turner, yeah, those eight-year contracts, just terrifying. Brutal. My team, my White Sox, I would take Xander Bogarts for that contract time, for that price, at that position, and hopefully I get two upgrades if I can convince T.A. that he's a second baseman. How long does
1: he have with the Sox
0: Um, left? He probably has one more year. They signed him pretty early, bought-out arbitration. He doesn't have much time left. He's playing... Pretty cheaply, so let's all say so let's
1: say you do get Bogarts for that price. Do you try to keep Tim Anderson on if he's fine with going over to second base? Which I don't think will happen. No, but
0: I don't think he'll be nuts about it. But it'd be a perfect opportunity to take a one year flyer and see how he deals. Yeah, it. see if he can play 150 games. Yeah, yeah. See if he can be a reliable yeah. sure. leadoff man. See if he can walk more than once a week. Sure. Yes. I okay. I'd be, cool. I'd be if that's how my White Sox wanted to roll. I'd be good with it. Okay. Who's next?
1: Um. uh pff. I'm going back and forth between Bogarts and Turner, and it's strictly because of the contract. Because I think you need to do Turner for six or seven years. Oh yeah, and Bogarts for you know, like you said, four or five. Um, I'll go. I'll go Trey Turner. I, I mean, where? he's overall. Where do you think Yankees, the Angels? Um, Ain't, we'll no, you just signed Hunter Renfro. You, eight, you guys are good. It's going to take eight <laughs> years. You guys are good. You just signed another Mike Trout. You're fine.
0: It's going to take another contract for that organization. Eight years, $300 million. million dollars. Might happen. Might happen. That's
1: so much money. It is. That's it is. more than Trout would be making in mm-hmm. a year. Might happen. I know. It's just terrifying. But yes, you, it. in an ideal world where this contract is going to pan out, I would take Trey Turner for six or seven years, and maybe even eight for three hundred million. And you'd and have a half a billion
0: pay. dollar left side of your infield. Oh yeah, That's
1: right. With, oh yeah. With, Anthony one, with one of them playing half yes, that game or exactly. half the games. Um,
0: All right. So you want the big money, the big commitment to get the best player,
1: which really pains me. But yes. Okay. Yes, I don't great? want Renhefo at playing shortstop anymore, and for the Angels.
2: As much as I would like to see Aaron Judge and pinstripes. I would love nothing more than to see Trey Turner in pinstripes.
1: So can you just just tell the listeners real quick, okay, tell us your fandom in baseball, just so they have a clear understanding of who you root for and why you root for them. Super quick, give us the Reader's Digest version. Please explain. Because because you talk about
2: the pinstripes a lot. I'm from Kansas City. Okay. I will always ride with my Royals and my Chiefs. We're not... I know. Okay. Uh, the Yankees have been in my family for a while. Okay. And they win a lot. Okay. They just so happen to win a lot. Okay. I I, I pull for the Yankees, too. So when the Royals were I, really y- good... You're not the first person to give me... Uh, I- Give me I guess, work Sorry, about I, this.
1: I You're just giving your explanation,
2: and I did ask for that. But, but I don't no, know. I, 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 I've grown up with this all my life. It's nothing new.
0: There's I, only one I, question: Yankees, Royals, ALCS. Yeah, Royals, you're shooting for. Royals. Okay, that answers. There you go. Okay, Royals. okay, go on. So. so now you've got Royals money to spend on this question. Yeah. So you're, so you're. So <laughs> let's get away <laughs> from pinstripes the, because you're is, a Royals I, fan. I. You're gonna extend. I Lopez know. Bobby Witt. He's rattled. He's
1: rattled.
2: Bobby Witt is our shortstop. In Kansas City, or third baseman, whichever he is. Our, Let's he say is he's our a favorite. third baseman. Then
1: talk talk he shortstop good
0: at third base this year. He looked good. Well, that's what I'm saying. Are
1: we doing unbiased or bias? It seems like we're kind of going bias. We're talking After, about if, our if I'm teams. going
2: bias, then yes, I would love Trey Turner in in royal blue at shortstop. Okay, give him whatever he wants that we can afford. Absolutely, but realistically, yes, I would like to see Trey Turner. Uh. I'd give him the seven to eight, whatever he wants, and let Judge walk.
0: Oh, put I'd put ifk
2: put ifk on the stripes. bench.
0: He just doesn't strike me as a Yankee. I, mean, I know he's I clean would shaven hate to, and all, but he just hate doesn't to see seem it. like a Yankee.
2: He earned his stripes pretty quick.
0: I have no question he earn them.
2: He earned them pretty quick.
0: All right, let's go but, ahead and take yeah. a break. Uh, when we come back, we'll have a conversation with Atlanta Braves area scout Trey McNichol.
1: The Clueless Joe podcast is brought to you by Tanner Tees. The best batting tees for your baseball or softball player. Made with premium, durable materials and assembled in Sarasota, Florida. Invented by Joe Tanner in 1988 and perfected over 30 years, every Tanner tee represents the very best in the business. Here at D-Bat Nashville, we feature the heavy model and all of our cages and also sell them in our pro shop. It's a tough, professional quality weighted batting tee with a flexible, hand-rolled rubber cone that's perfect for baseball, fast pitch, and slow pitch. This heavy-duty batting tee is designed with a 10-pound claw-style base for extra stability on any hitting surface. Sturdy enough to stay upright through the occasional mishit. To learn more, go to TannerTees.com or visit your local D-Bat.
0: Okay, please welcome Trey McNichol. He prepped at Land O'Lakes High School in the Tampa area. Wrapped up his collegiate career as a relief pitcher at Memphis, sporting a 2 one record and one save in 47 appearances. Yes, he was a teammate of Zach, our beloved GM. Let's go. And he's currently an area scout in the Dallas area for the Atlanta Braves. Trey, thank you so much for joining us.
3: Yeah, I appreciate it. You did leave out that I, uh, I led the SEC and ERA with one in the third innings and no runs allowed at University of South Carolina in 2014, but I'll let that slide. <laughs> I guarantee you had enough
0: innings to qualify for the lead, didn't you? Uh,
3: no, no, I didn't. didn't. Uh... You know, but it's, in, it's, on our, it's on our stat sheet. I was at the top of the list, ERA, zero.
0: Outstanding. I'm guessing there's going to be a couple of jugs flying here, former teammates, all that good stuff. First of all, most importantly, what kind of a ball player was our boy Zach here back uh, in the day? Yeah. Where the yeah. Tigers, yeah. Good, good question. Please. Right out of the
3: gate. Uh, he was a good hitter. Uh, no power, but uh, <laughs> he made, a lot, made a lot of contact. I, mean, I think for his career, he was about a 300 hitter um two sixty. played solid who's counting yeah. <laughs> whatever i you don't. i feel like i feel like he had 300 it but, was a hard 260 uh, yeah no nah, i mean it was uh he was a solid player so i mean good at fielder made all the routine plays um what do you mean by couple, what do you mean by
1: routine trey what do you mean by routine? like diving in the hole
0: routine Ooh. No, I mean, he'd catch it if you hit it at him. He might throw it away, but he'd catch it. <laughs> yeah, that's, that is true. <laughs> did he ever get a shot on the mound, or was that ever in conversation? Because he does get up on the bump here at the facility every now and then. You know, he's cracking a good 80-81, throwing from several arm angles. Did you ever think about getting him out there on the bump?
3: I never did, but I wasn't in charge of all His that. His dad wouldn't let so, me. <laughs> uh, yeah. I've, I've definitely seen him get on the mound and, you know, try to make a case for himself and never really, uh, never really went anywhere, but uh, I've, I've seen it. I've seen it live. All
0: right. Let's talk about your path here. Uh, like a, a lot of college athletes these days, you, know, you spent time at several programs uh, first at St. Petersburg college, pretty close to home and then transferred to South Carolina, as you mentioned, had some success there, ultimately transferred again, finally sticking at Memphis. So I know it's a little, you know, frank to ask the question this way but are you happy with how the college career panned out and it got you to where you are now or if you could kind of go back and do it again was there maybe an alternate path out there for you
3: well so it's funny because i never pitched until my senior high school um and like halfway through the fall my high school coach came up to me and was like hey like you want to pitch and i was like obviously i want to pitch like you know and he uh he was like well i want you to throw a sidearm and i was like well i don't really know where where that idea came from because i'm six five like that wasn't you know not even something i was thinking about And he's like well you know i saw you playing catch one day and you know just when when you're coming in you just you know start doing a thing we're just slinging it from the side And he goes, it actually like looked like it would work um so that first that my senior year high school like i you know I, I was our closer and i didn't really know what i was doing but that's that's kind of how i ended up in junior college and then kind of took off and i got really good really fast and then uh had a lot of success in, in junior college loved saint pete um and then was fortunate enough to get to go to University of South Carolina right after they'd won the two national championships. um, And had a great fall, uh, made the team and got hurt early in that spring uh, and never really was the same after that. So when you ask like if if I think my college career was success, like it was at that point, like the, you know, I'm thankful for all the relationships that I had at Memphis. But, you know, if you'd have told me, you know, that when I was in South Carolina, that, Hey, like next year, you're not going to be here and you're going to be playing for your, your dad who you've never really wanted to play for. Um, just cause it's, that was never something I wanted to do. Obviously, you know, I respect him as a coach and, and all that, but he's my dad. So it was, it's it's not the same, you know, for me as it is for everyone else on the team that's that's dealing with him. And, uh, it was just one of those things that, it, because, you know, I was hurt and, didn't really know it was a lot of uncertainty with, you know, they, they asked me to come back and to South Carolina. And it was just like, I don't, you know, I don't know if I'm going to be taken care of in this situation. And, and I knew uh, obviously, you know, my dad would look, do what's best for me. And, and I'd known coach rock forever too. Cause him and my dad had coached together at Mississippi state uh, and previously. So I'd known coach rock forever too. And I, it just felt, it was more of a comfort thing of like, okay, go here, you know, figure out whatever's going on with your arm and then, uh, you know, see how that goes. And obviously I wish it would have gone a little better, but you know, I never really, it just never really felt the same. Um, so I, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm glad how everything's worked out now, but there was definitely times where I was at Memphis where, you know, I was not happy with how things had gone. And that was just kind of, my, like, it was my own, you know, I was just hurt. So I was just dealing with that. And, um, but obviously, very thankful for the friends that I made from that. I mean, I talked to Zach almost every day. And, you know, there's a few other guys that are like that that I play with at Memphis that I'll talk to for the rest of my life. So, you know, it's, you know, you take the good with the bad. Obviously, the athletic thing didn't work out exactly how I want. But, um, you know, once I started working for the Braves, like, it's, it's, kind of worked itself out in the end, but not exactly the way, like, you know, you envision growing up when you're playing.
0: Trey's dad, by the way, is the associate head coach at Memphis, works with the pitchers and the catchers. As someone who does some coaching myself, granted, my boys soon to be nine. The dynamics are a little different, but the father-son thing can be complicated. I feel you. But let's go ahead and move on to what you're doing now. A lot of baseball fans know the term area scout, but I think very few of them really have a working definition of exactly what you do so i'd love for you to give us kind of what your job description is maybe what your day-to-day is like both during the season and in the offseason
3: well uh so during the season it's organized chaos is the best way i can describe it for about six straight months um you know basically you take the whole summer and fall to identify all the players that all the better guys that i need to see in my area so i have north Tex, oklahoma and kansas um And so everybody, you know, all the better high school guys and obviously all the – I have most of the Big 12. uh, So, you know, I'll see all those college players in the summer and fall. And same with the high school guys, they do the whole circuit thing in the summer and kind of identify the better ones. And then, you know, you kind of create a list uh, going into the spring of like, you know, where you think guys fit coming in. Obviously all that changes during the spring because guys get better or, you know, whatever. But, um, you know, you kind of prioritize which guys you need to see – early, uh, the better guys you'll see more often. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of me just looking at schedules and then driving to, you know, wherever I need to go to see a game and then getting up and doing it the next day for five, five, six months. Like it's, it's every day. It's stop. It's, it's organized chaos. Like I'm constantly driving around. Um, but I don't really know what else I'd be doing. So I don't mind it. Uh, and obviously it's, Playing baseball, being around it my whole life, it's it's very easy for me to be at the ballpark and watch games. Um so now I'm just watching it differently. Uh just as far as evaluating players, which you know, you kinda always do. Like I'm sure if you ask Zach, like he he evaluated guys when he played too, he just wasn't getting paid for it because he was playing with them.
2: <laughs> and now uh tell us about your off season. I know it's uh it's quite eventful. Um, it's quite, quite the opposite.
0: I'm dying uh, to hear about this too. Yeah,
3: so the off season is basically once I get done with you know doing my like player meetings in the fall, like after they get done practicing, um, I basically have not a single thing to do for three months until you know they start up in January again. So, kind of something I always want to do was travel, and uh, you know, found some people that are you know just my friends that have time to do stuff and basically every year in december i go out of the country for like two weeks and just hang out get as far away from baseball as i can because it's really the only time i have to decompress because once i start in january it doesn't really shut off until really the end of the fall i mean definitely not until the draft and then you start the summer circuit stuff seeing all the guys for the following year like right away so that's like more laid back but you still haven't really you still can't really shut it off like you're always always constantly you know thinking about your evaluations and just stuff like that so really this is december and like up until middle of january um legitimately have nothing to do so
0: still getting paid by the organization yeah
3: yeah it's full-time job so if uh yeah it's it's i mean i could i could do something else if i wanted to it just i i'm just i like to travel so that's that's what i do
2: those frequent flyer miles come in handy huh
3: yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, a lot of the uh, a lot of the hotel points get used also. So that's uh, that is a benefit of doing this job. Team team pays for me me to travel around. And then, uh, you know, they don't really know it, but they kind of end up paying for me to travel around when I'm not working for them, too, because I use all the points. Well, they do now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right, let's
0: get let's get into the nuts and bolts of the profession here. So for the most part, GMs these days, not a lot of them are former players. They're all not all of them, but there's a lot of Ivy league guys who are obsessed with analytics. And that seems to be the future of the game. Is there some dystopian baseball future in which scouts like yourself are replaced altogether by just a bunch of number crunchers? I certainly hope not, but it has to be something you think about.
3: Yeah. uh, I mean, that's kind of an organization old, you know, decision. I think like, I don't, you know, there's been, there's definitely teams that have less scouts than others. And, I've only worked for one GM, uh, Alex Anthopoulos and he started off in scouting. Um, so he understands the importance of, of what we do and, and values us. And I mean, he's a super smart guy too, that definitely, you know, uses analytics to help make his decisions too, but he, he values us. And so like, I don't, he's not, I, as it would shock me if he did away with, you know, scouts cause I, I know he values what we do, um, every time we go to Atlanta to meet, he always sits in there. He gives good feedback. Um, he asks a lot of questions. He's, you know, very curious about the draft process. He loves it. Uh, so he, I mean, it's awesome dealing with him uh, in those type of situations. Cause I know he values what we're doing and he's not, you know, just asking me qu- questions because he's in the room. Like he, he actually does care. And, you know, I like that. Cause I don't know if everyone's like that. I can't, I don't, you know, I can't speak for all the other organizations cause I haven't worked for him, but uh yeah like I I don't think scouts will go away just because you can't you can't scout the whole country from an office it would be hard um you still need people to be out and go to games and give opinions I mean you don't have to use them you just you know cuz there's people that have that get paid to make way more important decisions than I do and that's totally fine um but I'm going to give my opinion and You know, if they like it, great. If not, it is what it is. It's nothing I can do about it. But yeah, I I don't think scouts are going anywhere.
0: Okay, give me a little runway to ask this question. It might take me a minute. But if you cruise, let's say, baseball Twitter for five minutes, it's really easy to find some coach who's preaching to young players at a camp about what he's looking for on the recruiting trail. He says things like uh, they need to take warm up seriously and they need to hustle down the line on routine ground balls. They want to see how they interact with teammates, how they interact with umpires. And that all sounds great, uh, especially if the background music hits. But how much of that stuff truly matters if a kid runs a 6660? 60? Uh, how much of it really matters if he's averaging triple-digit exit velocity or throws 95 miles an hour? If you see a kid that has... Just bad body languages. Any, any, you know, barks at an umpire, but the kid can flat out roast a baseball. Has there been a situation where you've crossed his name off the list because you just didn't like what you see um, outside of the measurables?
3: So I've actually done that. Um, there was a kid in my area last year that literally the last line of my report says, you know, I said where this guy should fit based off his talent and. I said I would rather someone else take this guy. I do not think he would be a good part of our organization. Uh, just didn't think he'd be a fit. Just watching the body language uh, on the field, and so I've actually done that. Um, but there, you know, there's a certain point, and like I don't necessarily agree with it, but it's true. The talent at some point will outweigh all of that because, you know, if you're the best player in the world and you're a terrible teammate, there's still a place for you. Which, you know, that, that sucks, but it's just, you know, as a guy that, like, valued being a good teammate, uh, but that's just, you know, the nature of it. Like, at some point, the talent outweighs everything, um, but there's definitely ways to stand out if you're not the most talented guy, and obviously, if the most talented guy is the best teammate, it makes it really easy to scout him.
0: So give me an example of what one of these reports looks like. I mean, I know some of this information is probably proprietary, but, you know, after you're finished watching just a standard high school game or a Juco game or whatever it is, you know, what's the standard information that you're writing down about each particular player? What are you looking for? What's weighted most important? What isn't quite as big of a deal? I'd be fascinated to read something like that.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah, it's, I, it's always funny. Cause I see, I'll see like old scouting reports on like hall of famers, like, you know, just from when they were amateurs, like pop up on Twitter every once in a while. And those are always fun to read, uh, just to see, cause all, I mean, all scouts are going to be wrong. Um, you know, I could love a guy think he's going to play in the big leagues for 10 years. And he never gets out of a ball, but, uh, you know, it could be, or the opposite. I think a guy plays, in, you know, never gets out of a ball and he plays 10 years in the big leagues. Like it's, we're all going to be wrong. So it's, uh, it's, Uh, You know, so I think we all look for things a little differently. Um, I look for athleticism. So like, that's kind of the first thing I talk about in the report is, you know, what, what the the body looks like uh, in the uniform, how athletic the guy looks, uh, you know, is he twitchy? Or is he just, uh, like, you know, a skinny guy? Like, I mean, there's there's different – because you can be skinny and not that athletic. Uh, you can also be a bigger guy and be really athletic. Uh, if you watch the NFL, that's pretty easy to, to right. tell. Ryan has his hand in by
0: the way. Skinny and not athletic. <laughs> yeah.
3: 7'4". I, 7'4", I, so. yeah. 60. Yep. I, you would have beat me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, but go, yeah, ahead. It's, go ahead. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I mean – you kind of break down everything so like if it's a pitcher you break down his delivery um you know there's um there's a hundred different words you could use to talk about you know breaking down the delivery just as far as like how the arm works you know what the arm action looks like uh the kind of effort they put into the delivery uh does he keep his head still does he repeat his delivery um so it's all i'm looking for everything like that um Obviously, you know, does he slow his body down on off-speed stuff? Like, all that stuff goes into report. Um, you know, and then for, you know, hitters, you're just breaking down – or not – obviously with pitchers, you're going to break down the stuff too. That I feel like that's pretty self-explanatory. Like, you know, what the – you're just grading out the pitches uh, and then the command because that's – I mean, that's kind of the most important thing. Uh, but with hitters, you know, you break down the defense uh, – break down the swing say what kind of power you know he's got because uh, that's one of the things you can see just if you watch a guy take bp you can see the power um you know you, i'm looking at how many times a guy makes hard contact see especially in bp if you watch you watch big leaguers take bp they don't miss it a lot of balls so the better players in college are you know they're not quite that good but they, for the most part, square everything up. And so, like, when I'm watching BP, I'm just – I'm looking for hard contact. Um, Feel for the zone. Does he chase? Does he not chase? Um, Obviously, you know, running speed. I always have a stopwatch, you know, in my hand. So, timing guys home the first. Uh, Arm strength, accuracy. I mean, it's pretty standard stuff that colleges are looking for, too. I mean, coaches look for the same thing. We're just looking for – different type players like I I don't know like if uh, outside of about 20 division one schools like I'm looking at a different player than uh you know like the kid that played at Trevecca that was on the first episode that plays for the bananas like chances are if I had gone to Trevecca like that guy doesn't stand out for me uh and that's not a you know offense to him but like how many guys from Trevecca are in the big leagues like that's just kind of how it is and like um Now it's not a knock on them. I know they went to the world series two years ago for division two and it's uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I'm looking for the best of the best players and you know, it's, it's hard. I mean, it's it's hard to get to the big leagues. Uh, You know, I've, I, I mean, I'm sure I could ask Zach the same question as I would, I'd have the same answer. Like when we, you know, when we were in college, like you didn't, you know, you still thought you'd play in the big leagues. Like you just thought it would happen. You didn't really know how, but like that was kind of always the dream. And, you know, it's, it's hard. So yeah,
2: absolutely. It, absolutely. It's very hard.
0: I have a, a pitcher specific question. You were a pitcher primarily, at least, you know, when you got to senior year of high school and then college, but I played high school baseball in the early nineties. You know, it was a, a long time ago it, it Jacksonville area, not too far from where you grew up. You know, I played at a big public school. We put, faced very good competition. There might've been one kid in the entire zip code that could touch 90 miles an hour with a fastball. And now it seems like every high school in America has a kid who can throw 90 plus. So my question is, how much have people in your profession, in the scouting profession, just completely fallen in love with velocity and spin rate and all the things we hear about in 21st century baseball? If you were watching a 19-year-old Greg Maddox, who was throwing 89 or 90 sinkers and cutters and just painting corners, would you genuinely have a glowing scouting report about this guy or would the first line be sorry he doesn't throw hard enough um you know so
3: the there was a guy in my area last year he the guardians took him in the comp round but he was kind of 88 to 90 with touch 92 he had really good command and no one could hit his fastball just throw it by guys at 89 90 you know he I think, I think the best bullet I saw was 95, but that was, you know, once a game type of deal. He would just sit in there at 88 to 92 um, with really good command, uh, could spin his breaking ball, feel for a changeup, and no one hit him. So, And I've also seen guys throw 100 to the backstop five times in a row and not written a report because it's just like, I, there's nothing I can do with this. It doesn't matter the guy throws Yeah, hard But, but for some reason their ball.
0: parents still love that and think that's a good outing. Look, I get it. I mean, the whole the
3: whole world's falling in love with velocity, uh, and it's obviously guys are throwing harder now, and that's great, but you still, you still have to command the baseball. So if I saw Greg Maddox, a guy that, I mean, arguably had 80 command, uh, yes, I would have probably a great scouting report on, but that's easy yeah. to say because I know what Greg Maddox's career turned into. Uh, Aaron Nola was another guy that didn't throw super hard in college, but again, it was four pitches, could really pitch, dominated at the sec um so you know if a guy's say a guy's pitching at vandy and he's right-handed 88 to 92 and dominates the whole year and wins you know sec pitcher of the year i would say that guy goes pretty good in the draft because he's dominating in the best conference in college baseball
0: okay so so go ahead
3: oh no go ahead i was just you know gonna say that they could also have Five guys throwing a hundred that throw two innings and nobody knows who they are because they of don't course. throw strikes. Like yeah.
0: It's, that's yeah. So you talked about it earlier a little bit. You know, some teams have huge scouting report- uh, departments, others much smaller. Some teams lean heavily into the analytics, others are a little more old school in their approach, but. We're in Nashville. You're from Florida. Obviously, there's a huge swath of the Southeast that just grew up Braves fans and love that organization on TV every day. So I'm curious if there's anything specific about the Braves scouting report, the Braves scouting system, uh, the people up on high telling you specifically what they're looking for that might be different from, say, the Astros or the Mariners or the Rangers.
2: We want all the tea.
3: Yeah, so – this is going to be an answer that you're not going to expect, but the thing that we talk about the most is makeup. Um, it's that we harp on that the most cause they've, I mean, it's happened, you know, they created this during the nineties when the team was so good, but the, the Braves culture is so strong that it's, we're looking for guys that aren't going to like rock the boat and, you know, come in and be a cancer in the clubhouse, essentially. Um, so makeup is I get talked to about makeup basically every time I talk to somebody one of my higher ups like um you know if if I do my pre-draft meetings and I start talking about kids every, on every single player I get asked what the makeup is every player um not and it's not all we don't even sometimes we don't even talk about the tools uh you know we don't I mean I I'd mention them but it doesn't all like the sometimes the questions to me will just be about makeup and just, you know, not about what his ability on the field is. Cause that's, uh, I mean, that's just, you get a bunch of good people together that like each other and they're fun to be around. Like those teams usually win. Um, obviously the Phillies were like that, that looked, I mean, this year, that, that team looked like they were so fun to be around, uh, in the playoffs and just the energy that they were creating. I, I, you know, I, I that's why that team went to the World Series because they all liked each other. They all wanted to play together um, because it was a bunch of good dudes that, you know, got hot at the right time and went that far. But I, makeup is makeup is what I get talked to about the most.
0: Yeah, there seems to be a Braves way to do things. And you could see that tangibly in an Austin Riley and a Dansby Swanson and on down the line. Uh, Last real serious question for you here, Trey. Um, There are tons of opportunities to play this game after high school, whether it's D1 or D2 or D3 in NAIA ball and JUCO ball, and for a select few, you know, a chance to be drafted and go straight into the minor leagues. But what would you say is the best advice you can give to a young player who's got some ability, who's got some talent, who has a future, but is just sort of unsure where his path is going to take him? If,
3: if you're good enough, we'll find you. I mean, that's legitimately, like, you know, that's, like, a very cliche thing to say, but that's true. Like, I mean, it's – it's happened. It's legitimately happened to me before, and I had heard this before as a player and be like, yeah, right, this never happens, but, like, I've legitimately gone to see a kid uh, that, like, I knew about and went to scout, and there was a guy on the other team that I'd never heard of and was like, who is this guy? Like, that's the guy I'm interested in. So, um you know, I, I think there's a lot of luck involved with it, but I mean, you know, just as uh, cliche it is, like if you work hard and, you know, put give your best effort every day, like, and obviously you have to have some natural ability, but it's, you know, there's, there's opportunities for everybody to get found. I mean, it's not, it's, it's not one of these deals where you, you know, have people, to, you have
2: to go to a showcase and, and, yeah, and no, do all I, this stuff.
3: So I mean, I never did any of that stuff, and right. I, you know, it was a little. I mean, my dad being a college coach, like, it was a little different for me. Um, but it, you know, I never played in any of those perfect game showcases as a kid or any of that. Like, and then, and never pitched until I was a senior in high school, and I pitched in the SEC. Like, it just there's a lot of luck involved, but you know, I, I I worked really hard at it. I wanted to be good, and and you know what's good in front of the right people and it just it can happen like I I don't know like it's there's not really there's not one way to do things uh but yeah I mean it's if you're good enough like there people will find you like that's that's a real thing
0: okay let's play nine innings we do this little game with all of our guests rapid fire same nine questions nine very different answers number one first inning your favorite team as a kid
3: the Pittsburgh Pirates. Ooh, nice. Interesting choice.
0: <laughs> Interesting choice. Uh, yeah. Favorite player as a kid?
3: Uh, Brett Tomko, who not everyone's probably heard of, but he played for my dad at Florida Southern in the '90s. Uh, was National Player of the Year in 1995 when they won the national championship, and then pitched in the big leagues for 13 years. But yeah. I've known him since I was I've known him since I was three, uh, and. Yeah, he. So that was always my guy, but it was always funny because when I was a kid and would talk about him, everyone's like, "Who?" Like, yeah, yeah like that's, that's a deep that's cut. My guy. Yeah, that's
0: definitely yeah, a deep cut there. Uh, favorite baseball movie? Very important question.
3: A uh, little big league. Let's go. Yeah, I yes, see. Sir. I guess that Got runs
0: it. into the Memphis program yes, very sir. deeply. Best sound at the ballpark?
3: It's always the fans, uh, especially now that I'm scouting. Like, it's it's always more fun to be at the game when there's. Uh, you know a good atmosphere um most fun game i ever ever scouted was this national championship this past year i got to go to omaha and see Ole miss play oklahoma because oklahoma is one of my teams and uh just the way you've, like the way that that crowd made me feel i was like man this is it like got me going a little bit like i'm you know i don't really get like i don't really get like the juices flowing too much at games anymore because i do it every day but like that atmosphere was was really cool Yeah, um, so yeah, it's that's, all, always yeah, that's awesome
0: I've been to Omaha a couple of times. It's it's. I don't care if you got a dog in the hunt or not. It's a a, a fantastic environment. Everybody should go. Uh, fifth inning. Best smell at the ballpark.
3: Uh, I mean, I feel like the easy answer is food, but they don't have like the Auntie Anne's stands like they do in the mall because that would be the best. <laughs> that's the best smell in the mall. Uh, no, it's. I mean, it's. It's got to be the food, even though I don't eat a lot of ballpark food because that would just get old. But it's still the food. It still smells good.
0: Okay. The, the sixth inning question is usually your your walk up song, but hey, let's just say you're a pitcher primarily. You're coming out of the bullpen. You're closing down a ball game. Uh, what's the song you want to be rocking to coming out to the mound?
3: So th- this answer could change every thirty minutes for me based <laughs> off what I hear on the radio. Uh, so when I was South Carolina, I came into the Macarena, which was my favorite oh, uh, yes. walk up I had. I love uh, it. <laughs> but I, it would be hard for me to not use narco now as like if if edwin diaz didn't have that song and i heard it first that would be my song like that song's awesome uh
0: electronic. but yeah
3: for me for me it'd be the macarena what's well, the trumpet <laughs> song for diaz but yeah i like the i like the macarena we'll go with that
0: okay tell me about a game didn't matter if it was little league sec somewhere in between tell me about a game when you were the hero
3: <sighs> man i was a middle reliever i didn't uh, I honestly, the last game that I ever pitched in, uh, Zach played in it. It was a conference tournament game against UConn. Uh, we got off to a huge lead. They came back. I came in in sixth inning, I think. Um, just UConn had all the momentum. Uh, it was like a, we were game from elimination and I finished the game. It was best I ever threw by far at Memphis. It was really the only time in two years that I pitched there that I like felt like I was healthy again after I had shoulder surgery um at South Carolina so I mean sucks that that was the last game I ever pitched him but like cool way to go out and uh yeah that was I mean by far the best game I had it in two years at Memphis
0: okay uh flip it around for me tell me about a game when you were the goat you screwed it (laughs) up you lost because of you
3: so this is an easy one and I think about this like (laughs) oh we've all all got the time (laughs) yeah so it was uh senior senior high school in the playoffs uh I'd thrown like two innings already up three runs in the seventh inning and didn't get an out and got walked off and had to get on the bus with some of my teammates that I knew would never put on a baseball uniform again. That was tough. Um, yeah. Good tough. Man, that's so, a, that's yeah. A heavy hitter. Yeah. Blew a save in the playoffs in high school that mm. uh, eliminated us. Wow. All
0: right. Ninth inning. If it weren't for the game of baseball, dot, 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 fill in the blank for us.
3: I really don't know. That answer has like changed like the last couple of years. Like since I've like traveled out of the country, like I feel like I could just like live in some third world country at like a hostel and just like be a bartender. But I, I, really, I yeah, I really, I really don't know what I would do. I mean, Mojitos all around. My, yeah. My, I mean, my dad's been, my, yeah, my dad's been a college coach my whole life. So I mean, I literally grew up in a locker room. Um, so I, I don't even know. But, yeah, that I, I don't know. I would probably just try to travel around. I don't know how I'd have the money to do it, but that's what I would try to figure out how to do.
0: Well, I think your boy Zach has a bonus question here. We're going to go extra innings, uh, a 10th extra inning question here.
2: He's so excited to ask
1: you
0: this so question. So excited.
2: All right. So we kind of touched on this uh, earlier in the show. Uh, I have a pretty good idea on on what the answer is, but for my colleagues and our amazing listeners, just kind of describe us the feeling you get you're running out to the mound. You're repping the blue and gray. Um, you, you tow the rubber and just tell us that feeling of knowing you have an absolute vacuum manning the hot corner. Oh my gosh! Just walk us through. Well, walk walk us I through that. I did not think that's I where can, that was I can, going. I can literally
0: feel our <laughs> listenership trailing off. <laughs> uh, Trey, answers you see fit, please.
3: Yeah, I mean. I, you know, I know if a ball gets hit over there, it's going to get caught. I don't know where it's going to go when he throws it. Hey. <laughs> I, had it. Uh, I
0: had a similar reflection.
2: Oh, <laughs> uh, man. Yeah. No, I, it was – No, uh, but, yeah, just in general, your, your time at Memphis, I mean
3: – I mean I, – I, you, you, I know
2: you had injuries and everything, but uh, that uh,
3: – Yeah, uh, it, you know, it was a little – Like, on, honestly, it was a little frustrating just because it's not – It just – it was so much different, like just the culture and uh, the the winning culture at South Carolina I had with the two national championships was like unbelievable. I mean, legitimately the first team meeting and coming from junior college, the head coach looked everyone right in the eye and said, our expectation when national championship and anything else is like kind of a failure. Yeah. And that was, that every- was
0: peak time to be a game cog. No question.
3: Everybody in the room believed it and you could feel it. Um, you know, at, at Memphis, if Omaha got brought up, I feel like it was just like one of those things that, um, No one really took seriously. It was like, oh, that would be cool, but not. Um, Agreed. So, I, I, the the one thing I will say is that the new coach Carrick Jackson is a big time culture guy, and I'm a huge fan of his. Um, and I think he has a real opportunity to like get that get the program heading in the right direction. Um, so I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, Uh, because obviously obviously being an alumni of memphis I, I do want them to do well um you know even though my dad's not there anymore and uh you know i still want the program to do well because i did put on the uniform and would love for them to be successful so I, i'm i'm pulling for carrick as hard as i can
0: absolutely watch out for the tigers Yep, it <laughs> sounds like trey this is really insightful i know i learned a heck of a lot i bet our listeners did too thank you so much for joining the show okay
3: yeah appreciate
1: it Yep, thank you man Anytime. thanks trey the Clueless Joe podcast is brought to you by Pro9 Sports, committed to providing high quality, precision baseball and softball products to help players perform their best on the field. A family owned and operated business since 2001, offering a wide range of products including game and practice balls, protective gear, team and player bags, umpire equipment, and much more. Here at the Nashville location, we use private label DBAT baseballs and softballs produced by Pro9 in our pitching machines and lesson buckets. These balls are durable, long-lasting, and made with quality materials to replicate your game experience. Pro9 equipment is made to precise specifications and designed to provide a better way to play. To learn more, go to Pro9.com or visit your local D-Bat.
0: Okay, it's time again for three up, three down. I ask three questions. My boys don't know what's coming. They have to answer off the cuff. Question number one, Brag about yourselves a little bit. Ooh. Tell oh. me the story of the longest home run you ever hit. Oh gosh.
1: I think we just talked about this the other day. How much time do you have? Because
2: I've yeah. only hit yeah. two.
1: I've only hit two in my life. You want to start it off? Then? Uh, yeah, I'll start it off. Yeah.
0: I got, I got Is it the first to, one or the second one? Uh, yeah, I got plenty <laughs> to choose from here.
2: Um longest one, I don't honestly, I don't know. I would probably have to say the one I hit at Cincinnati. Um wind blowing out. No, actually, I'll go with the first one because that's the most special. Um, hit it off a um, guy that went in the draft that year, so I was pretty happy. Cool, man. Carson. Nice. Cross, give Lee. give us names. Carson Cross, I think. Okay, if I if I remember. Cool. First one I ever hit in my life, sophomore year of college. First of two, and uh, we got to. It was in. It was at UConn. Uh, we flew in Thursday night. It was. It was cold. It was. It was still pretty cold up there. Mm-hmm. But Friday, I don't think I packed sleeves uh, g- going up nice. there. Nice. Good job. So Friday, I'm in short sleeves. It's sleeting during BP. Perfect. Freezing. So cold. And uh, I was hitting two hole. And obviously, I, I hit balls out in, in BP. Not that day, obviously. But um, yeah, he he was a pretty, pretty hard thrower. He supplied all the power? He supplied all yeah. the power. <laughs> Absolutely, 100%. I will never take credit for that. But no, I you just got, I, you I, just got I, I, I ran into one. I will say that I ran into one. And
0: uh where was the pitch? Where did it go? It was, yeah. uh, it, was it was
2: probably fastball middle in which uh
0: And you think it carried about how far?
2: <sighs> it was probably true right field. I would think um, God, I don't even know. Maybe 365. 337 uh, 365. I don't Bomb. I don't know. We didn't have Trackman back then. <laughs> <Damn>. But uh <laughs> No, uh, no, that was I, and it's funny because I kind of knew it off the bat. I, I really didn't go hard out of the box. I kind of knew it, which was funny because I've never hit one before. But uh, yeah, that was that Either was bad. probably my, that was probably my longest home run. The, the field at Cincinnati was, I think, a little bit shorter. They have about a twenty-five foot uh, foot high fence all the way around. So. Porch, probably, Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. pinstripes. I almost put one on top of the, uh, the basketball court or the basketball arena, like our buddy Ian Happ. in BP. Very nice. No, Ian Hat put
0: oh, two it.
1: on
2: top of the, on top of the.
0: Um, Ryan, you got a longer
1: <laughs> list to choose from, I believe. I do have a longer list to choose from. Sorry, Zach, um, but like I, I, think I said we were talking about this earlier. I had a lot of wall scrapers. I was just, you know, I they was a li- I was a line drive guy, and you know, if one got a little extra launch angle, then it would go out. Um, there was one, one at Georgetown that I absolutely knew. And I pretty much walked out of the box and then started jogging. Um, 3-2 slider. Love sliders. Um, Thought he could get me out on it. Saw it. Hit it really far.
0: Forgot you had a slider speed bat.
1: Good one, John. (laughs) (laughs) Look at my average. I hit plenty of fastballs. (laughs) How far? It it was probably... just north of four hundred, probably. Wow! Oh, you crushed it.
2: That's a big fly. Crushed oh, it. I don't know, I'll speed pitch, dude. Good.
1: Crushed it. Yeah, I mean, it was one of those ones that j- your eyes just light up. It looks like a beach ball coming in and hit it really far, and it was cool. Very nice. Yeah. We lost the game. Of I think course. we were down.
2: I think we were down five-one or
1: something Doesn't like that. Matter. And It was a two-run shot, but it
2: was cool. Yeah, I think mine. My home run against UConn was our only run. I think we lost ten to one that game.
0: Yeah. No college home runs for me to speak of. So congratulations to you fellas. But I was playing in the skyscraper league in Chicago when I was, you know, all throughout my twenties for the most part, I played there till I was 30, but I would say maybe my second to last year there, I'm probably 28, 29 years old and who we're playing doesn't matter, but We were definitely playing against an ex-D1 pitcher who still threw pretty hard. And he was probably, you know, late 20s himself. But he was pumping in there pretty good. You know, 87, 88, which is pretty respectable in that league. And I just got myself in the perfect hitter situation. There was one or two guys on base. It was 2-0. I was guessing dead red. And I put everything into it. And I got a letter high fastball. And I just hit it absolutely perfectly. You know, Mm wood bat league and... I just oh, No better feeling. It was just a perfect swing. No it better was a feeling. perfect sound. It was, you know, I, I love to, you know, open my stance, be right on top of the plate, challenge him to throw me in. And this was true left center field. And I think this ball might have touched 400 feet. And it it's by far the hardest ball and the furthest ball I ever hit batting practice or anything. But, you know, it's a brand new pearl. you got the adrenaline going I hit it in the right spot, got the right spin on it, and that was the only time with a wood bat ever after college where I hit a home run and knew it the second I made it's contact. It's pretty great. I That's... hit eight or nine of them, but that was the one where I knew I could pimp it a little bit. Um,
1: well, what was your pimp? What was your pimp? Tell us.
0: Come on. Too old school for that. No pimping for me. <laughs> Nothing? Nothing? Nothing. A little too I run low morale for him. Unlike Zach, I run the bases like I've done it before. Yeah. So I didn't have to pimp anything. Sure. I didn't. Okay. I
2: a bit. <laughs> what was that? Was that with or without the cork?
0: Um... Good answer. Cork. Good question. Uh, no, this Wait, it, just because I shared a zip code with Sammy Sosa, isn't doesn't there mean a I was debate that bat. the cork
1: doesn't do much for the
2: bat anyway? I had one of those bamboo composites.
1: It was
0: a bomb bat. It was oh, a there, oh. hey, there it is. There it is. It doesn't oh, help performance. performance. All yeah. it does is make sure it doesn't
2: hey, oh sh-
1: shatter in your hands.
0: Yeah.
2: Absolutely crushed him. If you're scared, him. go to church.
1: Absolutely right. crushed him. Yeah, he's gonna, he's gonna flow right into the next yep. question. Yes. <laughs>
0: yes. you guys were me stories about hitting with BESR bats the other day, but you're giving me a hard time for a. Those bomb are just bat.
1: for fun off the hit tracks. I didn't get to use them. Question in
0: high number two. Very important for someone like me. Knicker pants, baggy Ooh. pants. Or somewhere in between what a good question give me yes
2: give me the baggiest pants you got and i i wore my pants up the last two years of my my college career but man there's nothing better than that uh jason worth manny ramirez style oh that's just so it's so bush-like. just so swaggy <laughs> it's so, so, so swaggy
1: jason worth
0: is so threw bad in, and manny ramirez dude, dude. Holy oh, man, no, that, was, Those that
2: are was two names when, right when that style came out. Oh my gosh. I can't you mean tell the you The
0: pajama bottom style. I can't
2: tell you how bad I wanted baggy pants that went over my cleats.
0: Oh, I
2: can't tell you that was hey, that was the coolest thing loose. I've ever they're seen loose around your cleats. Correct? Yeah, I just wanted them to fall over that you couldn't find them anywhere. They all had either elastic or they were kind of tighter. You couldn't really find the I can't uh, p- stand that pajama look. pants. Oh, I mean, my god, Jose
0: Abreu will always be my guy now that he's an Astro. doesn't matter. But, yeah, that whole tucked <sighs> over your cleats and under your spikes, you should be eating a bowl of Fruity Pebbles, not playing a baseball game. <laughs> it's such a bad look.
2: <laughs> oh, I know.
0: Your, your not, White it, Sox it, team
2: has every, all their pants up.
1: Yeah.
0: Mm. Yep. Anyway,
1: RG. Um, well, the reason I said it's a good question is because I went back and forth actually quite a lot uh high school high school high pants junior college high pants and low pants and then georgetown just low pants i really like the look of high pants i think i played better in low pants i'm not manny ramirez jason worth drooping over my cleats low pants but you know just where they cover the laces let's say okay um I really like the look of some uh, stirrups, though. Yeah, I'm a big sucker for stirrups. In high school, we did stirrups, and I dug them.
0: Yeah, I was a stirrup guy when I was younger. But no, I just I love the knicker pants. Yes, I'm the Little League coach is still out there wearing the full uniform, (laughs) uh, despite most of the dads out there in jeans and stuff. But no, I got to have my knicker pants, just like I tell all the boys in the dugout. Look like a ball player. You'll play like a ball player. I love the tribute to the Negro Leagues, like we called it in high school. I yeah. just love the knicker pants. It's a I, great look. I wish more guys did it. Not enough.
1: Color. I think depends on the sock color. If you're if you're right, repping like
2: bright red socks, I'd probably cover them up with low pants.
1: But if you got a blue, a black, or a
2: stirrup, then right. I'm fine if with you, going. If out. you got a, a cool looking stirrup with some stripes on it. Or yeah, like, yeah. like some yeah. of these some socks. Cardinal style st- uh, stripes. Yeah, sure. like, like some of these socks that uh, even the big league guys are wearing now. How high would t- the stirrup,
1: them. though? Because the stirrup, it can go like super high.
2: I, we Our stirrups always ran pretty low. But, man, we sure tried our best to to stretch those things yeah. out. I, I like the high. High yeah.
0: pants with a low stirrup. That's my stuff. High pants, low yeah. stirrup. Low stirrup? Yeah, okay. I that's my I like my the style. high okay. stirrups, I think. Okay. okay. All right, question number three. Um, it's a little bit business related, but you guys are great to ask this question what is one thing that parents can do to make sure that their kids get their most out of the private lessons they do? Brian, mm. you're one of our mm. top instructors. I'm cool. sure you have parents you love and some parents that are a little top uh, tier. So it, it,
1: it depends really. I think if there's, let's say a dad that is really involved in the lesson, I think it can get a little too much for the kid and um,
0: too much information.
1: Yeah. Too much information. And then if you also have a dad sort of reiterating what I'm saying, even a mom, I shouldn't just say dad, but like reiterating what I'm saying and come on, son. And come on, daughter. uh, It can get a little frustrating for them as well. I've seen it. Um, I think what's great is I do think the parents should be around to hear what I'm saying but
0: so they can reinforce it outside w- the case.
1: Absolutely. Because mm. I don't expect you guys to be in here every day of the week. You're going to need to do work outside of here as well. Um, but I think that I, y- you brought him here to work with me or to work with whoever. Let us work with him. You listen, be able to reiterate. And I think that's the best. We, I mean, there's a reason we do what we do. You know, we know what we're doing. I'm not saying you don't know what you're doing. Dad of Little League coach or Little League player, but <laughs> I it, there has to be a good space in between me and the parent and just let me kind of do my thing. That's you, what I got. You, you yeah. definitely said it best. Yeah. Uh,
0: Zach, you schedule as many lessons in this <laughs> place as anybody. So. Zach, you've worked a few <laughs> yes. hitting
1: you've worked a few hitting programs. Yes. Yeah, but no, I, like I definitely I,
0: I
2: it's definitely something I haven't I, I've I've noticed. And um you you said it a hundred percent I think that was the best point you could have made right there was uh, a lot of the times I, I get people saying, Oh, he's just not listening to me. Maybe he'll listen to you guys. And, and that's exactly what we, what we're looking for. And that's what we can help with is our instructors are great and let them, like what you said, let you guys take it over. I love the fact that if a parent wants to sit, sit back there and and learn as much as they can so that they can uh, constantly reapply that information when they're out on the field or at home doing drills or whatever. Um, But yeah, I would say let sit back just a little bit. Let the instructor do their thing. Um, If your kid's not listening to you, he's not going to he's not going to listen to you if you're if you're still talking to him during the lesson. Um, That should be a a time for him. The instructor. Go ahead. One more thing. I make sure that your kid wants to be there.
1: That's what I was gonna make say. Sure, make sure make sure well that sometimes. he that he wants to work one on one private lesson with a coach that he may not know. You know, make sure that your kid is comfortable with it because it does get there are some times where it's like you can just tell he does not want I, to be I, here I will, and parents are kind of forcing him into it.
2: I will say as something else as far as the parents go. Um it is nice to have them there because not all the not, all the time like if a kid sure. doesn't really want to be there they sure. they may not they may not be listening they may not be acting right so it's good to have does that help. parent there to be like hey does help let's lock it Definitely. in and uh, cuz i know that for me if i was an instructor and a kid's talking back or or just not showing the effort i don't want to be the one to be like getting on to them. It's, it'd be nice to have the parent there to yeah to to kind of keep them on track but um yeah just overall just i i love the parents that are, that will do whatever they need to do to, cause that, that's how I was raised. My parents gave me those opportunities. So yeah, yeah. if if your kid wants to play, yeah, give them, give them yeah. the opportunity. Make sure, make sure the passion's there, but my, yeah.
0: My answer is a little different. I would just urge the parents that learning to play baseball is no different from learning to play the piano. And if you're scattershot scheduling lessons, then you're probably gonna get scattershot results. Yeah. And no different than learning how to play the piano. Yeah. If you're gonna make the commitment to have your son or daughter become better on a baseball or softball field, then you need to make the commitment. Sure, Let's have the lesson every Wednesday at four o'clock with coach so-and-so sure. and let's make it an appointment. It's in our calendar and we're not gonna cancel half the time. We're not gonna skip this week. We're not gonna do it once a month. We're not gonna go heavy for a month and then forget about you for three months. If you wanna get the most bang for your buck, if you want your child to have the most chance at success, you got to give them the opportunity to learn and then learn again and then learn again and have some repetition and have some repeatability because there's lessons that are learned literally and figuratively from one session to the next and give the instructor an opportunity to teach A and then build A plus B the next week and then go into C the week after that. Well, and I think
1: what's so great is it's, it's not always mechanical stuff that you're working on either. You know, you're building a relationship yep. and teaching him sort of, you know, life lessons and Really, part of our job is life coach in a sense. Of <laughs> the mechanics
0: are great, the ability is great, but building confidence passion, in these young all kids that jazz. Is so yep. important. Confidence is yep. one yeah. of the no, I, That's a great you could, point. Yes, yeah, I, wish, I love I, that yeah, point. If a, they're confident that they're making success or having success here in the cage, they can bring that to the field. Yep. And again, the the regular interaction, Build consistency, building sure. that consistency, Absolutely. it's going to work here and it's going to work out yep, there for Absolutely. sure. Okay, PSA over. Uh, Weekly Zach attack, <laughs> Zach. I know you got several to choose from, but we got time for one. Go for it.
2: All right. Uh, yeah, a lot to choose from, um, but I did uh, sit down at the Thanksgiving dinner table and told my dad he was on the hot seat this week. Um, it's going to be a little. It's a little odd. Uh, I will start off by saying I love my dad and my mom for all the opportunities they have. Given me in life, and uh, they got me to where I am today. But uh, I am not what most people would call a good golfer. Mm, retweet. And uh, I, I got to put this on my dad. Uh, growing up, I don't, I never touched a club really until my freshman year of college. After I, that season was over, um, why do you think? Why, why, why do you think I was not a not a thing? What, what do you think? What What do you think the reason was for me that you weren't a golfer? That my dad didn't let me. Because it messed up your baseball swing. Bingo. I don't believe that. Really? Uh, I don't think I don't think baseball or golf ruins baseball swings. Um, no. Once I think I, once that I baseball f- swings ruin golf swings. That's what I, that was my that's the oh, point sorry. I was gonna sorry My bad that's yeah. the point my I was bad. gonna make. this is your time. Uh, I could uh I could sit up here in the hit tracks all week and hit, hit baseballs, go to the course on Saturday, and we uh, will feel myself loading into loading into my swing. Oh yeah. Breaking my oh yeah, breaking my For arms sure. and all that and uh, so I think it's quite the contrary, and uh yeah, I put that on my dad for not uh for not letting me play golf and and um not for me not being as good as a golfer, and i just think uh uh so he's he's definitely on my hot seat i think uh or all right my, Pop. my on my Zach attack he's uh he gets my clueless Joe award w- what made not, you
1: what made you think of this did you play
2: golf while you were down there for thanksgiving or nope i I've, I've felt this for a while really um yeah i think. I always wanted to play golf, and he just uh, – he was like – I never was going to question it because, yeah, I, I wanted to play college baseball, and I didn't want to risk anything like that. Again, it's its nothing serious. I'm being,
0: I'm yeah, being, yeah, yeah. being
2: dramatic. I'm, I'm messing with him. But, no, it, it is, it's is—it's funny that he always said that. And then I finally – my senior year, I was – during fall ball, um, i I'd get a few days off from classes and I'd go play golf and then when I have a scrimmage the next day and yeah. I did perfectly fine, yeah. I had a couple hits. So I was like, Oh, yeah. this, this I is agree. really not, it really doesn't affect me that much, but yeah, it, vice versa. I think it, it definitely does with the golf swing, but um, yeah. My, I'm lo- m- I was raised on the
1: contrary cause my dad was a college golfer. So yeah, he, that's right. I mean, really? I had every opera. I lived right next to a driving range, right next to a little par three course. I had every opportunity and my dad would have jumped on it if I was, to say, hey, I want to get into golf or I want to go to the driving range, whatever it is. I just never had the passion for it until later in life. Yeah. I mean, late high school years, early college years
2: where I was like, yeah, this is fun. Yeah, I had a bunch of newfound loves for a few different sports that after, after I got out of college. And I still blame him for not putting me in, for not uh, <laughs> anticipating that that newfound love after I got out of college to put me in that stuff earlier in my in my life. So okay. I also give him that. But um,
1: What's dad's name?
2: Ronald. Ronald, so, yeah, big Ron, you, if you have any up, we'd love to hear your comments. So, 1 uh, 800 clueless, <laughs> you can give us a call and, uh, and, and yeah. we'll talk.
0: And, Ronald, on behalf of the other two in the room, I'd like to apologize for the hashtag first world problems that you're suffering. <laughs> <show. laughs> no um, kidding. Yes. No, no I kidding. I had to get that
2: one out there. I had to get that
3: That's one out there. That's funny. Good Dad for you. That didn't take me to the golf course. <laughs> yep
1: funny
0: okay crying ryan your dime your dance floor. let's do
1: it so normally you know i come on here and i'm kind of hot and bothered i'm going with a happy crying Ryan oh, i'm crying yeah. By happy, all means. happy, happy tears. tears happy tears and that is for the u.s of a and the soccer team let's, let's go. go got through the group stages nobody expected them to with their group being england wales i mean they got through the group stages and i'm just stoked to see to see them play in the playoff bracket and beat the dutch and then go on and move forth i don't know i i I really i watched the game yesterday on tuesday and i was so filled with joy after they won i just felt i just felt like there was a country behind the soccer team to be honest i really did you
2: were proud to be an american
1: yeah i absolutely would I don't know. I was just scrolling through Twitter, and I was like, "Man, there's a lot of people on board with this soccer, this soccer game." So many people were watching. Yeah, well, I mean, you don't make it for a while, you. And it, obviously, soccer is not very profound in the U.S., but it was cool. You know, I played soccer in high, throughout high school, so like I have a love for soccer, and it was cool to see like everybody on board. For this, for this team, that's I mean, a, John, John is shaking his head at me over there. So I'm curious to hear his I'm comments. Just
0: fighting back the yawns. That's all. Oh, oh my gosh! gosh. I Come was, on, I was openly rooting for the U.S. to lose just so we can move on with this. Seriously? Yes. You said that Get back to baseball season. Yes. Baseball. That's
1: not gonna. postponed baseball season any longer than it already is. I would rather talk
0: hot stove than
2: soccer. This this really got me excited for the World Baseball Classic too.
1: Sure. I think it's, uh, and I'm not even talking strictly from a soccer perspective. It was just cool to see so many people tuned in to a sporting event that the U.S. is representing.
2: I do feel like it's a bigger, uh, it's a bigger stage than the Olympics as far as us. The World Cup? Yeah. I think the, the amount of rallying that our that our country I don't know, has rallied around. Yeah, I don't. I, don't know I didn't know how see how to us really. That. I don't see us really getting too hyped for a, uh, an Olympic soccer. So you were
0: hyped for a thrilling one-nil it's victory. It's not. It's not over a, a third-world be- country that has a population the size of what Massachusetts. John, you're
1: taking this too much at face value. I'm talking about what it represented for a country standpoint when people like England and Wales were supposed to take the top of that of that group and we snut we tied england tied wales and then beat iran yeah it was one nothing should have been a lot more but they did it, it against i mean it was against some odds i wouldn't say all odds but it was cool it was cool okay Gosh. it was very cool
2: i was hype i was watching it here I, I was very much into it and uh yeah i'm excited for them to see them usa you, I mean, we'll see how it goes against that. I know, the know you're
0: proud yeah, to be an American, where at least you know you're free. Just like, you <laughs> I mean, know, another 180 or so sovereign nations around the world. But that doesn't make for as good of a song. What's going on here? Hey, I'm with you. I'm with you. you what is
1: going on here? Do you like your country? I do. Okay.
0: I just... just well, the, we, don't, don't, we don't know. We're the, not going to get... The, the, we're whole, whole, too tongue-in-cheek. Pre- the <laughs> whole, you know, pretend patriotism thing. I mean, come on now. That's what I feel like it is. Copy
1: that. So the World Baseball Classic, when that comes on and people are all gung-ho about the World Baseball Classic, Well, what do we think? I, we'll think, see him out there it, I think it's a baseball and game
0: and this is a baseball business and a baseball podcast. So I'll probably be very interested.
1: Ooh. Yeah, I'm not talking about the actual sport. I'm talking about the US of A.
0: Anyways, that's my crying <laughs> Ryan. <laughs>
1: Good happy tears. I like Good it. Good happy tears. I like
0: it. At least we've got happy tears. I'm okay with that.
1: Yeah. Probably not. It's not going to be very, very often. So... <laughs>
0: all right that'll do it for the clueless joe podcast powered by rawlings thank you to zach schreitenthal love it, love time. and ryan gainer
1: <laughs> see you guys
0: a very special thank you to trey mcnichol thank you to our sponsors tanner t's and pro9 sports thank you to our music man philip creamer and thank you for listening be sure to like share rate review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast so you never miss an episode you can follow us on social media across all platforms at Nashville.